All right, so for my first episode, I am beyond excited to welcome Braden Miller. This man exemplifies the meaning of what being a man is to me. Throughout his life, he has found success, whether that's throughout his hockey career, making it all the way up to junior A hockey, uh, becoming an outstanding bodybuilder with tremendous physique and athletic ability. He's taking that experience throughout his life and created an amazing personal training business, one of the most knowledgeable and inspirational trainers I personally know. And with all that being said, from the outside looking in, you might think this man has it all. But little do you know, two years ago, this guy was sitting on his deathbed. And through straight perseverance and strength, the man looked God straight in the eyes and said, not today, motherfucker. So Braden, I'll hand it over to you and I'll let you kind of explain your story and tell these people what you're all about. Well, thanks for your uh, kind words and beautiful introduction, Damon. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll just get going with my story, man. Like you said, I, uh, I started out as a hockey player my whole life. Um, obviously, through that, I was involved in the world of fitness in, in a way, but totally different than the path I ended up taking after, after hockey. But I was always very active. Um, I... Growing up, I, I know I was not a very confident guy. I was the I was the dude in the hockey change room sucking in his gut and stuff all the time. And I was never an overweight kid when I was younger. But that was just, for me, confidence was always something I battled with. And I think that potentially led me down the road of pursuing bodybuilding. Um, something, something somewhere for me was, I was just not happy with. And I guess I, I looked at that as maybe it was my physique. And bodybuilding took me to some really good experiences and some really good places as did hockey. I, I met, I got to travel playing hockey. Like you said, I moved away for junior. I got to experience winning a championship. Um, I met a ton of kids who were my brothers. I lived with them, uh, moved away at 18. It was all really cool experiences. And then after all that, I decided, decided to uh, go to university. And when I stopped playing university hockey, there was something inside of me that was missing. I was the guy who was always playing sports um, always on a team, always doing something. And all of a sudden I had all this free time and it's like, what, what do I do? Um, so that's kind of where my passion for fitness had grown while I was playing junior hockey. I did have a lot of downtime too, right? You're just at the rink once or twice a day between that, the boys are gaming and doing all this stuff. And that's kind of where I started pursuing some fitness stuff and started getting some certifications and taking reading on nutrition and this kind of stuff so after i had actually hung up the skates um for me that's where i actually decided you know what i'm gonna pursue this a little bit further and i, I had friends and family who seen that i was passionate about fitness and had asked for my help and seen kind of some transformation i had done with myself so i started helping friends and family out and free of charge just doing it because i liked it and i was like wow you know what i really like doing this I really like helping people so i took it a step further um, took some more courses and whatnot while I was going to university. And then that's when I decided to uh, kind of pursue bodybuilding per se. And I, I had a friend who, uh, a very close friend who competed his first show in um, competitive bodybuilding. Well, he did men's physique, but same realm. And I went to the show to support him. And I was like, holy man, this is so cool. I love this. So kind of from that moment on, I was hooked. And I was like, this is this is the new sport for me. This is what's going to fill that void that I've been missing. Um, 
So I, I jumped head in, man. I, I went for it. I really dedicated myself to that craft. Um, and in doing so, that actually became part of me where I might have lost some of myself. There was a time where, to me, bodybuilding was everything. That was all I cared about in my life. Um, so I guess this can tie into you talking about my accident a little bit and how, how that changed me long term. But um, when, when I was bodybuilding, I ended up getting a taste of, wow, I'm, I'm decently good at this and I can do something with this. I ended up doing two shows in my first year. Um, I won my class in, in both those shows. So that was for me some confidence. And then I went to an award ceremony and I got voted or I had won an award for being rookie of the rookie bodybuilder of the year and a couple different things. So for me, just a lot of stuff was lining up with bodybuilding. And then you put that next to my passion for training, um, the, the love for I had for the gym. And next thing you know, it was just, I had become completely obsessed with the sport, right? Um, and I knew that to get to the next level and my goal became to get a pro card. I knew that to get there, there was going to be some things that I definitely would have to sacrifice. Um, now looking back, did I have to sacrifice them to the extent that I did? Absolutely not. Um, I became one track minded. I became so obsessed with only that, that I kind of turned away and shut off a lot of good things in my life. Um, I had people that cared about me and loved me around me that I was pushing out of my life. Um, that stems from, my fiance, who at the time was my girlfriend, we've had conversations that neither one of us like having, but we can look back and smile now because we are where we are. We are engaged. But mm -hmm. would I be here today with her if I continued down the path I was? No. Our, our relationship was on the fritz. Um, I put bodybuilding before I put my fiance, Kim. And at the time, to me, I thought that was a good decision. Looking back now, where I am now, that was ludicrous, man. That was crazy. Um, my parents, very similar. They would tell me like, hey man, take a step back. Like, life's good. And it's like, no, life's not good until I have a pro card. And that was, for me, that was what was going on up here, right? So um, I guess I thought what I needed to do to be who I wanted to be simply just was getting a card in my hand that said I was a pro bodybuilder and that's all that mattered to me and it it became a really really big wake-up call when I woke up one day and I was told I can never do that again um, so what happened there I'll explain my story a little bit um, I was back squatting at the gym I was training with um, my coach at the time we were in a, I used to train at kind of a hole-in-the-wall gym that was very quiet I would leave work at Good Life where I worked with you and I would uh, head over to this other gym because I wanted the, the peace and quiet, the serenity of just being able to go into my escape, which training for me is escape and it always has been and that's never changed. Anyways, I was, I was back squatting. Long story short, I ended up splitting my aorta into a V, um, getting a blood clot. I was, basically I died on the gym floor. I had to be hit with, um, paddles four times to bring me back when the paramedics showed up. Um, I was in a coma for three, roughly three days after that, intubated the whole nine yards. Um, I was put on life support and they did what's called brain cooling for me because I had went without oxygen for so long. They were 
extremely worried that I was going to be very oxygen deprived. And um, they actually had taken my family and my fiance into a room and told them there was there was a 90% chance that I might not come out of my coma. And if I did, that 10% chance was pretty high that I would be brain dead or severely brain damaged. So um, the fact that I'm here today and I'm none of the above is truly a miracle. Um, but like you said, I think also some of that comes back to um, decisions that were made on my end. Um, after the accident, obviously things changed drastically for me. I went into the hospital at 255 pound bodybuilder and 10, 10 to 12 weeks later, I think it was just over 10 weeks, I came out of the hospital at 196 pounds. So in those, in that short time frame, I laid in a hospital bed and I had lost over 50 pounds. I looked at myself in the mirror. I didn't look the same. I had lost all the muscle that I had worked so hard to build and that all I cared about doing for the past couple of years was building that muscle. And then you wake up, you look in the mirror and it's gone. And mm. then you talk to doctors about training and what your passion persists of and what you're pursuing. And you're told you can't do that anymore. Um, so for me, I was actually told I, I generally can't train hard again. Um, and for a guy whose life literally depends on that now, obviously training hard is not all encompassing to being a personal trainer, but I do pride myself on setting an example for my clients and, and being the guy that if I tell you, I want you to take a set to failure, I'm going to be the guy that takes a set to failure first to show you what it's like. Right. So mm -hmm. being told that I could never do that again, for me, that was, that was not okay. Um, I was already having what I would call an identity taken from me. I knew for a fact that I would never get on a bodybuilding stage again. Um, there's been people that ask me, Oh, why don't you go do another bodybuilding show? Why don't you do the natural bodybuilding shows this or that? And quite frankly, I have nothing to prove. Um, I look back at myself as a bodybuilder and yeah, man, I was, I was big and I, I definitely did have some potential and I can't lie to myself about that. But if I look at where I was then mentally and who I was then, and look at who I am now, where I am now. If I had to go through that entire process of basically dying twice to get to where I am now again, I would do it time and time again. Um, the worst part about it was my loved ones, like my fiance, my parents, my sister, uh, my best friends, what everybody else around me had to go through, that was the hardest part. For me, going from who I was then to where I am now, um, like I said, 10 out of 10 times, I would do it again. For sure. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, thanks for sharing that story. Like it's, it's, you've definitely had your, your run with trials and tribulations. You went through a lot and it's, it's a beautiful story in the sense that you're sitting here today and you're, you're able to tell that story and it's amazing, man. And I just want you to know that like, we all do appreciate you and your, your loved ones went through a lot at that time, but I guarantee it like they are, happy that you went through that and that you're sitting here today and you're able to you know have that presence absolutely man i've and i've had that conversation like i said me and me and my fiance have had that conversation a few times and i wouldn't be i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't have her with me um my relationship with my parents has gotten even stronger through all of this just because you realize when something's taken from you or almost taken from you in in that sense, it was my family. I was, 
I was close to being taken from them and they were close to being taken from me. Um, you realize what's really important. Now, I'm never going to be the guy to say bodybuilding is not important because there's a lot of people that it is very important to, and it is still very important to me. I mean, that's how I continue to burn my fire for that passion is I'm still a bodybuilding coach and I, I use my experiences through bodybuilding to give back to those who do want to um, pursue that. But I also do it in a way that rather than being me, who all I cared about was bodybuilding and I was a very one track minded person, you can be a damn good bodybuilder and still have a life and still get that pro card eventually. Like one of my clients, Maverick, last year we went to Toronto together, his second show ever. Kids a young men's physique athlete. And you know what? He, he wasn't the guy who had no life either. He was, he does have a life. He has a girlfriend as well. And, and I don't think he pushed her away the way that I was pursuing stuff in the past. And you know what, what came out of that Toronto trip? Well, Maverick's, Maverick's a pro now. So that's just a way to exemplify that. Yeah. As long as you're dedicated to your craft, it doesn't mean you have to be solely um, a single variable type person, right? You can have other, other areas that you pour a lot into as long as you still do obviously pour a lot into that too. Mm -hmm, for sure. No, again, thanks for sharing. Absolutely, one, of man. Things, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was when you were kind of a athlete, you were playing hockey, you mentioned that your confidence was low. Yeah. And I do feel that athletes tend to have this persona on them that they are very confident. You know, they're these macho men who have, everything going for them and it's I'm happy you shared that you know when you were playing hockey you weren't necessarily very confident who with who you were you had to suck in your belly um yeah. so I, I I would like you to kind of maybe elaborate on that a little bit more and maybe for even talk sure, about man. how you how you were able to kind of grow your confidence because looking at you now you are tremendously confident you can see it on your face you could see it on the way you carry your body your presence like you're you're, you're you just talk about that kind of growth yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I can touch on one thing. I think one of my biggest um, areas that helped me grow and become confident, honestly, was stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm a firm believer in nothing good happens within your comfort zone. Like, obviously, it's, it's what's comfortable for us. It's good for us. But at the same time, how do you grow if you're staying in what's comfortable right so bodybuilding for me was one of those ways in reality like we're talking about a kid who literally would go to the beach with friends at 20 years old 18 years old or be in a hockey room at 14 years old and like i said would be sucking his stomach and worried about what people are thinking about me and now fast forward to 24 years old i'm standing on a stage in front of 500 people or however many people are at my show and I'm in nothing but basically freaking bikini bottoms that a girl would wear <laughs> and I'm showing my physique on a stage. And for me, that was, that was one of the things that forced me way out of my comfort zone. But going back, I mean, if you want to talk about being confident and, and being a man and stuff, well, growing up, my, my dad is not an aggressive person, right? So when people think of a man being I don't know, like what, whatever personas have been exemplified in our society, whether they're aggressive or mean or, or fighting and stuff like that. That was never my dad. My dad was, is a very soft smoking, genuine, caring man. 
Mm -hmm. um, do I think my dad's not a man because of that? My dad is 100% a man and I'll tell you that through and through, right? So, mm -hmm. but me growing up, when I played hockey, what kind of hockey player was I? I was your super aggressive hockey player. Um, when I played junior A, I was a scrapper. I was a fighter. Um, I was the, even like going to bars when I was younger, for me, I don't know if it's maybe I thought I had to prove myself to be a man in that regard. Like I was the guy who was always getting in fights. You could ask, you could ask my friends that I used to go out with and, and stuff. I, I was getting in trouble and getting in scraps and I'm, I'm not a bad person, but at the same time, I don't know exactly where that came from. And I, you know what, I'll, I'll, to this day, I'll always be the guy who, if I need to, I'll stand up for somebody or I'll stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. And, but I think I've matured and, and realized that just because you'll throw fists or just because you'll do this or that, that doesn't make you any more than a man of somebody who won't, you know what I mean? Like taking it back to, to, uh, growing up with my dad, um, I don't see myself as more as a man than my dad. I see him as way more of a man than I do myself because that was a man who raised me. That was a man who was confident. Like you said, um, that was a man who used his words rather than his fists. And, and in a society where being a man per se might include swinging an ax and throwing a fist, right? I, it's something mm -hmm. that to me, I don't think that defines somebody as a man or not, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Um, now going back to the confidence thing, I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact turning point for me where there was a shift of confidence. Like you said, I, or like I said earlier, I think it was more so just a decision to do some things that would force me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think a lot of confidence does come from that. Um, even doing these, man, like if you, if you were to ask me five years ago to sit in front of a camera and, and just talk, I would say, are you crazy? There is absolutely no way I'll do that. Same, and man. then through, Same. through growing, yeah, you know what I mean? And through growing my business and interacting with people and the first time I did a different podcast, stepping out and forcing myself to just, you know what, embrace it, just do mm -hmm. it. It's uh you have to be, I guess you have to become vulnerable and get vulnerable to gain mm -hmm. that confidence. It's not something that for some people, some people just innately have it, right? Like mm -hmm. we all have met that person who is just very confident and we've all met the person who is very, very timid and not confident. Mm -hmm. um, I think to become confident, you have to be okay with being vulnerable. You have to be able to put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable and uh, being vulnerable doesn't mean you're weak. Mm -hmm. It means in my mind, it means you're strong. You're willing to take yourself to a place where you might get judged. Mm -hmm. um, you might have people come at you with differing opinions or sharing this or that with you that goes against what you believe. But you know what? You, you've put yourself in that situation. You've made yourself vulnerable and I think, I think that's a true testament of strength. Mm -hmm. um, taking it back to fitness, put 400 pounds on a bar and, and deadlift it. Does that make you strong? Makes you physically strong. Mm -hmm. But I could, when I was bodybuilding, man, I was, like I said, I could, I could deadlift 500 pounds. Sure, I was physically strong. Was I mentally strong? No, because mm -hmm. that was some of the, 
I went through some of the darkest times of my life when I was, when I was bodybuilding, because like I said, I pushed out a lot of people that I knew I went through depression. I went through anxiety. Um, there was times where I was not me. I'd, I made completely irrational decisions because I was not me and I was trying to be somebody who I wasn't. And I was actually mentally weak, mm-hmm. but I was portraying this, this big, strong bodybuilder who was confident, who, who knew everything, you know what I mean? And like Mm -hmm. on the inside, I was not the same person. I was Mm. a totally different person on the outside than I was on the inside. So is that false confidence that a lot of, I think men do kind of portray as in like, I'm good, man. Nothing, nothing bothers me. I'm fucking six foot 10 bulletproof. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case. And there's one thing you mentioned that I'm happy you brought up. And it's about that again, that confidence that you, you can't specifically say, this is when I gained confidence. It was throughout the years, basically stacking wins, stacking wins, stacking wins. And it's like, eventually you're this confident person here. You don't even really realize it. You're just kind of at this point now where it's like, holy fuck, like I feel good. Like I feel like I can do anything. Yeah, dude, hundred percent. It's crazy how it works that way. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was you said some of us are innately born with that confidence and that's not something they have to work on, but then there's something else that they don't have that you might have, or I might have. Absolutely. And when it comes back to being a man, it's about kind of finding that balance, maybe being vulnerable and being aware of your weaknesses and maybe focusing on if, if confidence is a weakness of yours and kind of, doing the things that are going to gain that confidence. Whereas I feel like what we tend to do is kind of, again, that false confidence, like, Oh, I'm fucking, I'm perfect. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to, I know everything and having that mentality. I feel again, it's about finding that balance and figuring out what it is that you need to do for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it, man. It's, that's exactly, I think where it comes from and where it stems from is, having the ability to understand that you need to grow in other areas and doing what it takes to be able to do so. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy you said that. And, um, I did want to ask about when you were, when you were uh, bodybuilding and you were standing on stage Yeah. again, obviously you felt confident in yourself, but what I want to ask you is, did you have any self doubt? Did you have any nervousness, anything like that? And then, not only that, but how did you deal with that? How did you relieve that self-doubt? Yeah, you know what, man? That's actually funny you brought that up. And it's something I, I've thought back on before. And it kind of makes me laugh. And it's, I know I, I see it being a bodybuilding coach and being still involved in that community. I see it all the time. So mm-hmm. funny story I can, I can bring forth is the morning of my first show, I'm sitting on, so it's about 4 a.m. I've had my first meal. You're up early getting meals in the carb load, that whole nine yards. And I'm sitting there and I am like, I'm shredded. I'm very, very lean, like more lean than most people ever can walk around because obviously it's an extreme sport. Um, You're Mm -hmm. taking things to help you get there. You're doing everything perfect. You're doing hours of cardio a day, eating basically bird food in terms of how much calories you're putting down the hatch. And uh, I was very lean. I'm sitting on the couch at my, my now fiance's house at the time. She was my girlfriend. Um, and I'm pinching my belly fat and like, there is no belly fat. And <laughs> there's nothing there. I'm saying I'm fat, but it's just like, you're obviously going to have skin there and I'm pinching it. And I, I feel 
fat per se. And this mm. is the morning of my show. And I remember, I do remember talking down to myself, but I also remember saying, well, you know what, you have a, you have a leader who brought you here and they're confident in you. So I, I had a coach at the time and he was telling me, you look great. He was somebody who was established in the sport. So mm. I had put my trust in him. Um, I basically had to lean on those around me who I had in my circle, my family, even though they didn't understand bodybuilding, my friends who did understand it. Um, you lean on them, but at the same time, you know that my girlfriend, my fiance, my parents, they're always going to tell me I look good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So when you objectively look at it and you have a coach that you're paying to tell you, you look good or to mm -hmm. tell you when you don't look good and you need to make a change, you need to listen to that person. So that's exactly what I did at that moment in time. You know what? I, I didn't feel the most confident, but I had a guy who's been in the sport way longer than I have. He was a top wow. guy himself at the time. And he's telling me like, no, dude, you look great. So mm -hmm. I just, I had to be okay and run with that. So I For told sure. myself, no matter what, I've worked this hard to get to this point. This ain't going to slip away from me because of any self-doubt. So it, at that point, it's, like you said, I'm not going to use the word man up because that's not what I was doing. I was just making a decision, whether I was worried or not, to put it out there. And in my case, it worked out really good. Now, if I would have gotten dead last, would I have continued to pursue bodybuilding? I can't say because I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I ended up doing very well. But where I'm going with this is in the bodybuilding world, you see pretty drastic changes. You see people going from a, a, a growing phase or a bulking phase, people called mm -hmm. bulking, um, to cutting and dieting down for a show. And you'll have an extreme difference in six months between somebody who is at the peak of their off season when they're focusing on growing to the mm -hmm. point where they're on stage. They look like two totally different people. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me, when I was bulking, my head was huge. I looked like I had a mm -hmm. watermelon for a head. Mm -hmm. And then you step on stage and you look like a, a skull. You have no, mm. no fat left on your body and it's drastic. But on that show day, you're thinking, wow, I'm, I'm chubby. And then yeah. you look back and fast forward to your next growing phase and you're looking back at pictures and you're like, I cannot believe I thought I was chubby at this point <laughs> in my life. You know what I mean? So I think we sometimes live in a, a false reality that we create for ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's because we put the pressure on ourselves or we're so hot on ourselves and you know what, creating that false reality and putting pressure on yourself can be good at times, mm -hmm. but I also think it can be a double edged sword and it can be, it can be lethal if you let it right. Mm -hmm. It's a fine line for sure. hundred percent. And it's just, uh, again, it comes, I think it comes back to, um, that vulnerable ability, vulnerability and just being able to put yourself out there in a situation. So that morning of my show, when I was not the most confident, um, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing mm -hmm. it anyways. I got, I worked this hard to get here. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And you just jump head in and do it. Um, and again, I think there before that much before this, I think there was some sort of confidence instilled with me because we go back and, and I looked at my Instagram back then. And again, maybe it was just me being vulnerable, but I was putting up pictures of my physique daily, right? And, and updating my followers, which at the time weren't much, but updating people who were following my journey with pictures of what I looked like. Again, mm -hmm. 
you're opening yourself up to a lot of criticisms, posting pictures in minimal clothing on a social media outlet. So people can come at you. And I would have people come at me with nasty things and mm -hmm. say, you need to eat, man, or blah, blah, blah. But they don't understand the sport, right? They think they look at you that lean and they think skinny. And it's like, mm -hmm. dude, that ain't skinny. <laughs> but I mean, it's, again, it, I think it does come down to at, at times, how do you gain a lot of that confidence? Be okay with being vulnerable. Step into mm -hmm. vulnerability and embrace it. 100%. It's finding that, that comfort with this comfort. Yes. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable, man. That's mm -hmm. huge. No, and I feel like self-doubt is something that everybody deals with on some level. Um, for bodybuilders, I do believe that they kind of, they criticize themselves so hard because you obviously want to win. And in order to win, yeah. you need to be at that pristine level. You need to be better than everybody, everyone else. So you are kind of judging and comparing not only yourself, but everybody around you. Or it's like, holy fuck, that guy looks good. Like, how yeah. am I going to beat that guy or whatever it might be? I've never actually been in that situation, so I don't know what the thoughts actually are. But that's I know exactly, for myself, man. yeah, so, it's, so that's kind of what I figured. I know for myself, I did. I went through a, a, a huge weight loss, and I don't want to get too, too deep into it, but that is still something I see when I look in the mirror. Even when yeah. I, 90 pounds later, I still can look at myself in the mirror and be like, oh, look at that tummy or whatever it might be. Yeah, I might look at my fucking elbow and be like, yeah, you got some fat hanging there. And then now I'm stuck in this kind of mindset or this thought process. And then bringing the thought process up, I'd, I'd kind of like you to explain that. So when that thought does come in, how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? Um, so, yeah, even, I mean, you know what? That's, that's a big thing, too. Like you, you touched on you had an amazing transformation yourself and you grew as a person through all of that. And like talking about my accidents, obviously I went through something pretty traumatic as well. And in doing that, like I mentioned, I went from being this big dude that was 250 pounds, um, a lot of muscle to coming out of that hospital in what I felt like was tiny. I felt like I was a mm -hmm. 105 pound, you know what I mean? Like I felt, but I still did have a lot of muscle and I still like I was 196 pounds still. And um, to this day, I 100% feel what you talk about. I'll look in the mirror and I don't see a guy that's muscular because for me, the guy that was muscular was 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, even though when I look in the mirror, I know I'm a much healthier me. I know I am on a right path to accomplishing some goals and this and that, but somewhere deep down inside. Mm -hmm. that whether it's body dysmorphia or lack of confidence whatever it is that guy says ah you're small man you got work mm -hmm. to do um now how do i deal with that and uh, how do i deal with the self-doubt and overcome it for me i think a lot of it comes down to um being a very goal-oriented person mm -hmm. so i look at okay you're not huge and that's okay. Um, can you get to be 250 50 pounds again? No, I was using steroids to get to 250 pounds. I'm open about that. Um, do I still use steroids? Absolutely not. I can't. I have a defibrillator. My heart's not the same as it was. So am I willing to risk my life to get back there? Absolutely not. Um, 
but can I do everything in my power and do what I can control to bring myself to be on the path to being, having or not being, having the best physique possible? Sure. But at the same time, is that everything to me right now? No, because I've seen it all stems from me stepping out and being vulnerable in other places. There's more to my life now than just, just what my physique is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think having a support system to overcome that self doubt is huge. Um, but again, like we talked about, people are not willing to, especially men, um, we're not willing to be weak at times. Um, we're not willing to express this stuff to, those closest to us. Um, we're not willing to just have a conversation about it. Now, that's where I see a big difference between the man I was when I was back then. And I was just Braden who could take on the world by himself, had no problems, was a big dude training all the time, super confident. No, I wasn't at all. But now I look at myself now and it's like, I will talk to close friends, family, my fiance about anything. When I'm struggling, I've, mm -hmm. you know what, this quarantine has been, uh, this social distancing period has been a huge mental test for a lot of people. Um, I probably would have been in a way worse off place the previous me versus who I am now because I was willing to talk. I was mm -hmm. willing to, when I was feeling out of sorts, have that conversation with my fiance who lives under the same roof as me and, and we could hash these things out and, like you said, man, just being able to put aside the stigma of I'm a man, I'm big, I'm strong. I don't talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sensitive. Men can be sensitive too. Um, and like I said, for me, my, my father is, is a um, perfect example of that. And that's somebody I look to, to generate some of that strength for me to do this kind of stuff, because that is, I think, it takes a lot more strength to um, open up and be open with your problems and what you're facing um, than it does to hide it inside. Cause I've been the guy that did hide it inside and I was mm -hmm. suffering on the inside, but again, you just mask it and move on. And eventually mm -hmm. it all, it all does come crashing down. Um, in saying that, actually I have another, I haven't even ever told one person about this outside of my fiance actually. So I'll, I'll bring it up now. But, um, during my accident, I was obviously after I came out, you kind of seen my transformation and I didn't talk too much about it on here, but like I said, I was told that I couldn't train again. I couldn't do that again. And I made the decision. I said, fuck that. You are not taking that from me. I will do what I can in my power to be what I want to be. You are not going to tell me what I can do. Um, so that's where I continued training. I got back to being strong. I've been able to come off of all my heart medication from my persistence with my own vitamin protocols, stuff like this. Um, but during that time of me getting back to who I wanted to be and not having um, those limitations put on me, I was convincing myself that I was so confident and so strong that I was going to do so. Um, I almost didn't give myself any downtime to process what I had actually gone through. Um, now I went through, I went through the shit, the thick of it. Right. So, um, for me, I forced myself to stay positive and it was really good, but coming out of that situation, I had never actually sat back and been like, fuck me. You know what? I just went through something that most people don't ever 
have to go through in their life, the nightmare that it was per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I never took that time to sit back and, and be emotional about it. And you know what, maybe I needed a good cry, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're talking, it's, it's coming up on two years now since my accident, it was July, 2018, which insane that yeah, time crazy, flies man. like that. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, where I'm going with this is my fiance told me, um, about a song she listened to. Now we're talking about six months ago, kind of around Christmas time or so, right? maybe a little bit earlier than that. Mm-hmm. And she was just saying she listened to this song and it was a song she played for me while um, I was in a coma. And I, she was, she told me it got her pretty emotional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, Oh, well you should play it. And we were just sitting in my, I was sitting in the exact same spot I am right now. Actually, she was sitting on my couch to the left of me and, she put the song on and I just sat and listened to the lyrics, man. And I do not remember a time in my entire life that I have just let my emotions go. I started mm-hmm. bawling, man. And I didn't stop. She ended up, I ended up sitting on the couch with her and I, that was me just letting all this emotion out. Right. Cause I was mm-hmm. portraying being strong and convincing myself for so long that I was so strong and don't get me wrong. I was, I got myself to a great place but there was not a time where I just took a step back and let it out. And Mm -hmm. for uh, Frick, I can confidently say it was over 30 minutes of me weeping, man, like full on bawling and just being grateful for where I am now, having her there, just letting all the emotions that I kind of bottled up inside come out. And I can't tell you how good I felt after. Mm -hmm. I honestly cannot tell you how good I felt after. And I looked at her and said, my exact words, holy shit, I needed that. Mm-hmm. And you know, right, you, you just get co- so caught up in, uh, in trying to be that strong pillar for yourself. And I, and I do believe you do have to convince yourself of things and you need that positive self-talk. And that's what I did. I, I almost created this reality for myself that I was going to fucking do something and there wasn't mm-hmm. a person that was going to stop me. And I didn't have time to sit back and think of, oh, like maybe I need to just let this, let this play out and be at one with my emotions first and then do it. It was like, no, my decision is made fucking now and I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of where I just floored it in that sense. And I needed, I needed that man. After that, I had so many positive things come out of that, that I don't want to say it was weakness because I think it was strength, letting myself break down like that in front of somebody. And yes, it's somebody I've been with for 10 years, but letting somebody see me like that, especially somebody who Kim and I have talked about this. Like I am, I, I bring home, um, more financially than she does and whatnot. Right. So as men, sometimes it's like, we are the strength, we are the rock. And Mm -hmm. at that moment in time, I was no one's rock. She was my rock. I was Mm -hmm. letting my emotions out and I think that personally is definitely um, an example, an example of strength Mm -hmm. because I was showing me at my absolute most emotional state to another person. Whereas, Mm -hmm. and that, I think that was big for our relationship too in that, because I, I generally may may have been the guy before that was hiding those emotions. Right. And Mm -hmm. it was very evident. I was for a long time. And it just ended up coming out and I, I couldn't, I couldn't hide them anymore. 
And I felt so damn good after that. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. I, I appreciate you opening up. Like, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm happy you went through that and you can really even see right, your... Even right now, man, it feels, it feels good to share that. Cause like I said, yeah. I, I haven't told a single soul about that and outside of my fiance and it's not, mm -hmm. why, <laughs> why haven't I, it's, why am I, I don't need to be embarrassed of that. I don't really, and mm -hmm. that's where I think some growth has happened. Cause I don't care if somebody wants to say, Oh, you're, you're a pussy. You're weak for crying. It's like, good, for, good. I'm glad you think that man, cause I'm growing. You're not right. Exactly. Like, that's exactly it, man. And I feel that's where confidence kind of lies too, is where it doesn't matter what people think, you know, who you are, you know, what's going on in your life. It, it, it doesn't matter if somebody comes up to you and says, you're a fucking piece of shit. It's like, yeah. all right, man. Cool. <laughs> like, see you later. Yeah. I'm like, the best piece of shit. Like, I know. Unfazed, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you yeah no but no you can you can see the passion you can hear the passion in your voice and i'm happy you shared that yeah uh, well, thanks is for lucky. giving me like to share it man you definitely you definitely love her a lot and you can see that and i'm happy for you so that's amazing appreciate that brother um there was one thing i wanted to ask you about with throughout all of that basically yep. for you it's coming down to when it comes to self-doubt especially you have a couple avenues you like to take you have the having a clear having clear goals you had like having your goals and then being vulnerable being open to kind of i guess in a sense you want to feel your emotions and then express those emotions you don't want to yeah. be the guy who hides that you don't want to be the guy who holds who holds on to that for years and years and years and then it comes to a point where you're going to explode and you can no longer take it yeah and that's i think that's exactly what it comes down to it's it's about one, knowing what you want in your life and doing what you need to get there. And then two, just feeling, feeling your emotions, not trying to hide from those emotions. And I feel like that's what a lot of people do. Not only men, but I do feel mostly men for the most part. Um, again, just because we do kind of have that stigma of, yeah. no, you're supposed to be fucking hard as a rock all the time you don't have any emotions hide that shit uh suck it up get out there put on this mask whatever it is it's different for everybody and i'm happy you're able to kind of express that and you're able to kind of sit with yourself and and be able to get past those thoughts get past those emotions yeah absolutely man i appreciate that and you know what i think this the 21st century like we look at the way things were in the past and um, obviously it's different for everyone. So I'm not putting a blanket over the way it was in the past, but a lot of women stayed home. They raised the kids. The dad was out mm -hmm. working the railroads. The dad was out mining coal, right? Like we're, I'm just mm -hmm. being very stereotypical here, of course, but that mm -hmm. was, that was a past way of life where the dad was out farming and whatever it was. Um, now we look at the 21st century and you have a lot of women leaving the house to work and, and, bring bread home for the families. And I mm -hmm. think as, as men, we need to also realize that, yeah, we need to adapt and change too. The world is adapting <laughs> and changing. And that comes from that, that does stem from our side of, um, we don't need to be this rock at all times. This guy mm -hmm. who's just a strong doing everything himself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, and when I say doing everything my, yourself, I mean like, you, you don't have to go through 
the emotions and the vulnerability and all of that stuff alone. You can express it to people. You can talk to people. Um, and that, that's huge. And I think it's, it's nice to be able to step on a platform like you've given me right now and talk openly about this, right? Whereas rewind 10 years, 15 years, would there be anything, any talks like this? No. Mm-hmm, exactly. So I think we are moving in the right direction, but I think you doing something like this gives us a push that a push that we need because there is still, despite it being 21st century and despite there being a small shift, there also is, hasn't been that big of a shift because I look back two years and I was completely the guy that wouldn't talk about his feelings. And that led Mm -hmm. me into depression and stuff like that. Right. So. For sure. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like this is kind of that community that we need where we can talk about it. We want, we want to get this out there and have people, men be able to talk about it as well. Maybe yeah. not with their friends, maybe not with their buddies, but whoever it might be just to get it out there. Cause like you said, like you even just telling that story earlier, you felt so amazing afterwards. And I feel like that's so important to note for everybody is that when you do release that energy, like it feels amazing. Absolutely. Well, it's no different than if you, if you're going through, fighting with a friend or something or, or a loved one and you're holding something back that's bugging you, right? Like something about them that they're doing is, is really pissing you off and you're just holding mm-hmm. on to it. Like you said, eventually you're going to blow up. Or if you just air that out on the table and I've been through with it with close friends, you just air it out, man. How good do you feel after? You feel amazing because now it's out there and it gets dealt with mm-hmm. versus that in, keeping that in and then forcing it to get dealt with in a way that's not conducive to positivity versus air it out, deal with it in a way that's going to help you move on positively. Right. hundred percent. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I agree with you. And I, I guess this would be a good place to kind of explain the different types of energy with masculine and uh, feminine. Yeah. And one of the, so samurai warriors are their, manly i guess they're they're fucking warriors so they're obviously they obviously have that masculine energy but one thing that they did was they were they would um they would actually practice origami which is a very delicate art and 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 you would 100 percent. it's a feminine it's a feminine energy like you're sitting there with these tiny little pieces of paper you're folding paper essentially is what it is But what that would do is that would have that balance between the masculine and the feminine so that when they were in the battlefield, they were actually able to kind of tone into themselves, bring themselves into the moment and then be a lot stronger of a warrior. Yeah. So I think it is super important to kind of have that balance between the two energies. For sure, man. Um, I just want to ask you a couple more things. So one of the... One of the other things I wanted to ask you was when you were talking about bodybuilding, um, you really focused on the, the, the pro card. That was one of your, that was your main goal. That's what you really wanted. And it sounds like you had a lot of value towards that pro card. Yeah. And you might've even um, maybe placed all your value into that. Maybe if you didn't achieve that, you didn't feel worthy. Um, yeah. Things like that. So basically what I want to ask you is just about that unworthiness is if, if that was something you experienced in any way, and just, again, how, how you kind of overcame that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was being in the bodybuilding world and surrounding yourself 
um, with guys who are per se better than you, um, especially with social media that allows that to happen very easily. Um, so following all these pros, talking with lots of them, I used to chat with lots of them. Um, I felt, yeah, completely unworthy. You know what I mean? Like I wanted that pro card, but I knew it was not something that I could get yet. And I wanted to work towards that. But when you're surrounded by people who, and you, all you see is people who, um, are either on the same journey as you or are already at your destination, you feel like, oh, shit, I suck. Mm -hmm. Um, being who I am, I guess, that has always been a motivating factor for me, per se. Um, I've always been the guy that if I want something, I'll do what it takes to get there. So for me, I would look at a lot of these people and be like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be up there with them. Um, and again, I think having that put me in a, in a place where all I cared about was the bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Um, the unworthiness made me become rather than focused, um, obsessed. Mm -hmm. okay. And that's where, that's where I put aside some of the other very valuable things in my life. Now, um, you can look at some of the top bodybuilders in the world. Um, a guy that I look up to, his name's, Flex Lewis, he's won the absolute Mr. Olympia in his division 212s multiple times. And this guy's a dad. He has a little girl. He has a family. He runs <laughs> multiple businesses. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. to be a successful bodybuilder, you don't have to have nobody. You don't have to only care about bodybuilding. Now, a lot of those, a lot of that for him, sure, came later on in life once he was an established bodybuilder. But at the same time, pretty sure throughout his entire journey, he wasn't alone and pushing people out of his life time and time again, right? So mm -hmm. um, for me, the, the unworthiness, I, I don't know if it per se, in the bodybuilding world, it may have had actually a, a benefit to me in, the, in mm -hmm. the side of it pushed me to push harder. Mm -hmm. But... If I was to look back and let's say my accident went the other way and I didn't come out of that, I would have definitely been looking back and been like, wow, I pushed everybody out of my life that thought I was worthy because mm -hmm. I thought I was unworthy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? There's, for sure, yeah. There was, there was worthiness for me in a bunch of areas that I didn't even want to see because I put on those horse blinders and all I cared about was the people around me um, and, and becoming what they had already achieved or what they mm -hmm. were trying to achieve. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. And I mean, I don't know if I can necessarily say um, there was something that for me was how I overcame the unworthiness because at the time I didn't see it as, unworthiness hmm, okay at the time i seen it as a motivating factor and mm -hmm. that i was going to get that no matter what and mm -hmm. unfortunately that came at the expense for me of making some um decisions to be one track minded for sure no you know what man i think that's 
I think that's the perfect answer. Like it, there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to this stuff. And I'm happy you actually said that because now somebody can feel unworthy hear you say that and say, well, you know what? I actually use my unworthiness as a positive. I didn't let it hold me back. I actually use that unworthiness to push me. And that might set them on the right track to do something for, for themselves. For sure. So hundred percent, right. I'm happy you said that. Um, it's been amazing, man. This was an amazing conversation. I'm happy you joined me and talked about this. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, thank you for having me, dude. It was, it was a blast. I'd love to do it again sometime. 100%. Hopefully in person we can do it. If that, That's kind of what I, I want to get to. I just want to finish off with basically the whole premise of the show. And uh, I just want to kind of get your, your summary of maybe based off of everything we said or whatever it might be, just about what it is to be a man for you. I think, I think being a man needs to differ from person to person. Um, quite frankly, I do. Um, when I, and this is me being honest again and putting myself out there and being vulnerable. Um, a lot of people think a man is a guy that swings a hammer and cranks a wrench. Well, if you asked me to come fix something that you built out of wood or came to work on your car and gave me a wrench, I would look at you and say, what the fuck do you want me to do with this? <laughs> I am 100%. That's not me. Um, that's mm. not something I'm good at. Would I like to get good at it? Absolutely. We have a house now. I need to get better at this <laughs> stuff, but I don't personally put that as being a man, whereas a lot of people might. Mm -hmm. Um, but on the flip side, I can deadlift 500 pounds. Does that mm. make me a man? Absolutely not. That doesn't mm. because Joe who cranks a ranch that can't deadlift hundred pounds, he's still a man. You know what I mean? So for me, I think it comes to having integrity to your character, who you are, mm -hmm. um, becoming who you truly aspire to be and being honest to that person. So um, not, not just accomplishing goals per se, because that would mean that when I wanted to be a pro and I tuned out everything in my life other than the bodybuilding that I was who I wanted to be. And that's not the case. I needed to go through some shit to get to where I am today and gain that integrity, gain that confidence in my character, who I am. Mm -hmm. um, now I can strongly say that if you were to ask me, I'm a man, absolutely. I'm a man. Why mm -hmm. am I a man? Because I have integrity in who I am and I'm okay to express that. Um, mm -hmm. I'm okay to tell you that I'm not okay. You know what I mean? Like, 100%, I guess there's, yeah. there's been a lot of people joke about it and they, there's been the whole movement. It, it's okay to not be okay. And I mm -hmm. think that got taken too far where for some people it, it became a joke per se. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know what? I think more so for, for me, what it means to be a man is owning that. Like that day when I broke down with Kim, I wasn't thinking about being embarrassed about anything at that time. Mm -hmm. And afterwards I felt so fucking good or 100%. it doesn't need to be necessarily a moment of weakness per se. When you break down, it can be a moment of strength when you pursue mm -hmm. something and that thing is come that it's manifested and it, it comes to life and you're just proud and you fucking jump for joy. Like, Mm -hmm. When my Maverick, my client won his pro card, man, I was so, I wanted him to win that pro card so mm -hmm. bad. And him and his girlfriend at the time, me and her were sitting beside each other. And when they announced his name, 
we both screamed and jumped up. You know what I mean? And like, for sure, there was probably a time in my life as a 250 pound bodybuilder where I would have been looking over my shoulder and just pumping my fist in silence and walking away as nonchalantly as possible. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, I was like, fuck that. I'm excited. I want to celebrate. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like Maverick was crying. Like the whole thing was amazing, dude. And I feel like if I was trying to portray being a man, I would have mm-hmm. walked away from that, strutted away with a straight face and just been patting myself on the back and patting Maverick on the back saying, good job, dude. But yeah. not having emotion, whereas expressing that and showing the positive emotions, not just the, the when you're sad or when you need to talk to somebody. I think it's an all-encompassing being able to express what you feel openly. That mm-hmm. to me is, that, that, that's it to me right there. For sure, man. And it's the passion and it's the enthusiasm that you possess and you can see it on your face, especially when you're talking about your clients. Even when you talk about Kim, like you can see that and I love you for that, man. And that, that's what makes you who you are and that's gotten you to where you're at now and never change, brother. Thank you, dude. You're, uh, you're no slouch yourself and all those uh, <laughs> characteristics, big man. I know we get along great and uh, always have inspiring conversations with each other you motivate me a lot your uh your confidence is something i can confidently say that rubs off on me um ever since we'd be damon and i i don't know if anyone knows this we work together and that's how we met each other and Mm -hmm. i think it's it's turned into a good friendship because of that um and like thank you man first of all thank you for being a confident dude you are and i know we've all gone through shit like you said where we might not be the most confident or whatever but you Mm -hmm. definitely are um, uh, a very visual display of confidence to me and just a great dude all around. So no, thank you, man. Awesome. Thanks brother. Well, what we'll do is we'll end it there. Perfect.